0: all right let's let's get this thing going i'm excited excited to uh chat with lauren and excited to have you, everybody uh we're bringing back events we've, we've done a ton of events uh around 2022 and i'm stoked to bring back events uh, at threado ai and this time around you know i wouldn't find a better person than lauren she's amazing uh You know, I think that to just uh, give a head start, uh, you know, we are basically bringing back these fireside chats and, you know, talking to like support leaders. We host a podcast called Decoded as well. uh, When we're figuring out all this and, you know, for more than I, we thought, like, why can't we bring you in? So here we are. Uh, For folks who don't know Lauren, let me give you guys a brief intro. Lauren is a phenomenal support leader with over what, like 10 plus years of experience. She's the director of uh, support in Zapier and she's done a lot. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) She's done, uh, she's predominantly like, you know, gathered these skin in the game experience, being a support leader uh, for various companies like Mad Jacks, you know, she's a speaker, Uh, she's done a ton. So uh, for this part of the discussion, we are really focusing on uh, the role of AI in how to deliver great customer experience, customer support, uh, using AI, using it as an advantage and a lever. So right off the bat, I have a question for you. Uh, I would love to love to know about how you guys are implementing it, Zapier. Uh, first of all, let me tell you this, I'm a big fan of Zapier. Zapier enabled so many non-technical makers to build things. So. Massive kudos uh, to all of you all, uh, big fan, but given you're already a, you know, in the business of automation, how uh, a company like Zapier adapted AI?
1: Good question. Hey, everyone, by the way, thank you for um, showing up. It's nice to see you all. Um, and Alexandra, I don't know if you caught the name there, but Magix was a company that is also in Brighton that I worked at for a, quite a long time as well. So you might know the name. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, how has Zapier used AI? Um, I'm going to talk specifically about support because um, I've been really, really proud of, of what the team has done. So uh, when, we, uh, when AI really, the conversation around AI really started to ramp up in, I think it was probably January, where the conversation kicked off pretty hardcore for us at Zapier was um, the guidance for us was to just be quick, move quickly, learn as you go, don't be uh feel bound by um what we know to be true now, just go out and build. And so our technical support operations team, they really led the charge at the company and they they've been praised by uh many folks internally for moving so quickly on the um the things that they produced. And we have a t- we have a whole AI roadmap for support that we're going to be working through over the next six months. Um, but one of the things that really, really stood out as a tool that we completely built from scratch uh, started out as a Hack Week project. And so we do Hack Week um, twice a year at Zapier. Uh, we used to do it on retreat in person, but now we do it virtually as well. And it's essentially a time for people to come across from across the business together to build something. And that can be from any team um, and For this Hack Week, the Hack Week that we did this year already, it was really focused on AI. So the guidance was just do something with AI. And because we wanted everybody to be involved in it, for some folks that was uh, going out and learning about AI, but for some folks it was building stuff as well. And um, we had one particular person on the team, um, Jonathan, who was uh, a technical support specialist within the team, who went out and built this, uh, it's essentially... A whole AI assistant for a a technical support specialist um, himself. He'd been in the queue. He knew what we needed. He built it. And from there, we've taken that and created one of our, created it to be one of our internal tools. Um, And now we call it Support Sidekick. And so, it does a bunch of different things. Um, it creates note summaries, it allows you to uh download everything that's in the it actually within the, the ticket so that you can analyze it. We can share feedback, we can categorize the ticket to understand what are we actually, what is the interaction actually about? And all of these things used to be very, very manual. Um, And so the goal with Support Sidekick is that we want our team to be using it on about 25% of tickets at this point in time. So we know that about 25% of our tickets are ones that we can use uh, Support Sidekick with. We can't do it with everything at this point in time. a lot of our tickets are very very complicated but we're really trying to find ways to enable technical support specialists to work a lot quicker with their tools rather than putting that all on performance so the 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 tech market has been crazy for the past few years and quite a lot of the pressure often trickles down onto the folks who are kind of on the front lines in the queues moving quickly and that's not necessarily a great experience if your tools aren't going to keep up so we've created support sidekick it allows us to as i say Use use it on about twenty five percent of tickets, and now we have teams really working on it. It's enabled us to kind of strengthen that feedback loop, so we're able to say, okay, what's not working, what is working. We've introduced our own federated search within there as well, so we are kind of like real time feedback loops with the team to figure out how it works. So it's we 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 built it very very quickly. It's definitely not perfect at this point in time, but our kind of ethos around this is to build and then perfect it. Don't try and make it perfect before you can scale it so that we can actually get some usage. So the team have done a lot. You know, we we really didn't we didn't have we had no point of reference for what we should build. And we just move forward. This is one of the really great things that came out of it uh, that the team are using a lot now. And so what we will develop that over the next few months as well so that we can increase the amount of tickets that we can actually use it on um at this point in time we need to just be mindful of of that uh, complexity you know we support over 6000 apps that's like probably billions of combinations of problems that customers could have it's going to be difficult for ai to to solve those at this point in time which kind of speaks to what i believe is the most important um the most important thing to think about when lever- leveraging ai at this point in time is that you have to have people involved that's the most important thing
2: Amazing. Um, thanks, Lauren. I'd love to like double click on a couple of things that you mentioned. One is mm-hmm. um, you said yeah, it's helping you solve twenty five percent of the volume right now. Um, what uh, are some of the learnings on what's it, where is it able to do a really good job of right now? Um, mm-hmm. And and what do you think are limitations? I think you touched upon one of the points, which is the number of combinations. But what yeah. are some of the limitations which is preventing it? from going from like 25% to like 50% or 60% Mm -hmm. at this point?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So it's good for straightforward, mostly straightforward tickets. I would say there's a certain amount of straightforward tickets that customers can self-serve themselves. And that's why it's so important to have some kind of chatbot uh, experience for a customer. As a customer myself, I want to self-serve if I can. But if that customer gets stuck, you still want to be able to use AI but within the team. So finding those opportunities to enable the team where it does a really good job at the moment is that next level of complexity where maybe the customer wasn't able to figure out the answer themselves, but we have a lot of other information that we can pull and that the, the technical support specialist has access to. Um, and so it's very good at that, at pulling information The and it's very good at um, crafting a, a recommended response. The biggest blocker that we have at this point in time is that our team our teams pride themselves on the experience that they create for customers. And so at the moment, what it doesn't do is it doesn't match people's tone, doesn't match people's conversational nature. Um, and that's, that is that is a bit of a blocker um, for some of the teams because they they really want to be able to create a personalized experience, which kind of speaks to what I was saying about making sure that you've got humans involved in, uh, in how you use AI. So that that was a bit of an adoption curve for folks, and rightly so, because we've just you know we've spent however many years at Zapier put kind of perfecting the way that we interact with customers, and we really don't want to undo that with AI. We want the AI to match our energy, rather than us having to like default to being a little bit more robotic so where we're at now is that we want to uh just get better at some prompt engineering so that folks can 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 train the model to sound like themselves and i do think that once we get to that point then then adoption would be would be much better but obviously that's something that really requires usage in order to improve it so um that's one really big area the next area is that we haven't kind of gone into the realms of 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 complex troubleshooting yet so with What we do at Zapier, there's 6,000 different integrations and apps that you can use. That is, I can't even put my, I don't even know how many error messages that could be. And some apps do not have great error messages. So that's another hurdle that we need to get over is how can we use error messages within our troubleshooting? we surface them to customers, but there's always going to be expectations from a customer where they don't understand the error message. How can we pull it so that it's very clear to us straight away to a technical support specialist. This is what we think the problem is based on the the issue that we're seeing. What I would love to be able to do as well is to then, this is like my, I don't even know if this is technically possible, but what I would love for us to be able to do at some point is for, as tickets come in to automatically sweep them, make a recommended response and see if there are themes already happening within tickets. So say, for example, there's an app that has a specific outage, maybe they've got a 500 error and we've got 50 or so tickets in the queue that tell us that this app has got a specific, that specific error message happening at the moment, just automatically go through the tickets, have somebody able to triage and check those tickets and send an automated response to say, this is what we think the problem is. So that's where I want it to get to is it there's, it's, we're using AI at the beginning of the customer journey where there may be some basic information questions that they need help with um if we've got customers who can't self-serve then we've got that option uh to really help within the ticket we'll help the technical support specialist within the ticket and then to go one further how can we also be checking without anyone really even needing to do anything and setting teams up for success by them just opening the ticket, sense checking what the what the AI has recommended as a response. Oh, there's all of these other tickets that are related. We'll send the response to those as
2: well. So trying to take a bit of a three-pronged approach. Got it. Um, no, I think um, you're right. And as it gets more complex, I think there's still the development yet to happen to be able to take on complex troubleshooting. Mm -hmm. Um, completely understand so i'm curious to know like how does the handoff happen today like you know the customer is interacting and then proactively how how do you make it smooth in terms of the handoff to a human or a Mm -hmm. support person like and provide a great customer experience so it doesn't feel robotic um or they you know are not basically having a chat with a bot which is not able to understand yeah
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. So we use Intercom um, for our customer facing chatbot. And uh, we put a lot of time into uh, improving the customer answers. So what I would suggest like this is for anyone who hasn't really embarked that much on a self serve journey or has kind of um, made the start, but isn't super all in on it, that this is not a set and forget a situation. It's like I would I can't recommend enough having dedicated resources to be constantly checking your custom answers, making sure that we're making improvements, not just to the AI, but in other places as well, facilitating changes to help docs, things like that, so that you can make sure that as you expand the amount of custom answers that you have, they're still very personalised, they still sound like you. So we have Intercom as our entry point, we do have a bot flow that will allow the user to check whether they want to like self-serve with an answer um, or chat to sales as well. And if they can't uh, self-serve, then they'll um, be passed through to a chat, to live chat. So we have chat for um, trial and pro segments at the moment. And if we have a customer who's struggling, we will put them through to a chat and we'll help them there. Um, And so the way that we think about that is having a human in the loop from a chat perspective. So the experience stays as similar as possible. There will be times when a customer has to um, escalate to email. My like personal slash professional mission is to try and reduce the amount of email support in the world, to be honest, because I think customers should just have access to information when they need it, uh, where they need it, and just be on their way to solve their problem. So what we're trying to do is to make this a situation where customers at Zapia are really able to get a response, super quickly, either through self-serve or through a person, and then they can do their thing. Um, Or if they absolutely have to, then we will escalate to email as well. Um, There's always going to be some level of uh, complexity where a customer needs to be escalated to email. But one of the hurdles that we're trying to kind of overcome at the moment as a team is what is the right thing to do for the customer and how do we reflect that in support team metrics? Because I'm very much of the opinion that, If we have a customer who they are on the cusp of getting it and we're just hitting what our expected handle time should be, is it better to stay on with them or escalate? Obviously, it's better to stay on with them because we know that if we could stay on for an extra 10 minutes, solve that customer's interaction, and then they're they're done as well. Um, And the reason why that's something that I feel so passionately about is that we did a lot of research into our, our own data around this. And what I came away with was that our email support was solving uh it was taking 10 days for a full resolution but it, that was only in 1.7 replies and the reason being for that was just because if you catch each other at the wrong time our response time's eight hours but if you catch it at the end of that eight hours at the beginning of that eight hours you're still waiting eight hours the customer could be waiting longer and so what i wanted to get it to a point of was where that's the last resort for the customer AI is the first port of call human in the loop chat is the second point of call. And now that we have launched chat to a lot more of our customers, we're solving, uh, we're solving chats in in about 25 minutes, as opposed to an email over a 10 day period in 1.7 replies, which obviously is definitely not as good of a customer experience. And so my kind of like philosophy for AI and, and human in the loop is that the experiences should be as similar as possible to each other. AI should be personalized and fast and email should be, uh, sorry, chat should be personalized and fast. It's just different ways of actually delivering all that service.
0: That's phenomenal. I think uh, that's, in a way, I think you're you're making it efficient, right? Like, you know, without yeah. involving humans in the first place. Uh, mm-hmm. But also at the same time, you're not making, you know, give the customers you know, uh, a feel that a bot is responding to you. So my curiosity yeah. is like, how are you ensuring that uh, when you train the bot or like when you customize the bot, talking like human, like what is what are some measures you take uh, mm-hmm. that makes the customer feel like they're chatting with the human being, at least to an extent that everybody knows, at least, you know, now we l- sure. we live in 2023. We know that we are all chatting with the bot in the beginning, yeah. but even then you're going, you have to go one extra mile to yeah. give best customer experience. So what are, what are some measures you take to make it more human?
1: Yeah, um, one of the things that we obviously measure pretty closely is the responses, the bot responses that that we provide, and the the responses to that that we get as well. So you, you, often in most tools, you'll be able to see what's the response that you get from customers that's when exactly you surface right. an automated response. So that gives you a gauge of what is what are the types of interactions where you haven't got it right yet, and what are the types of interactions where it's sort of fine. You've nailed it. It's pre- probably a more simple, straightforward one, uh, and that's that's all good. You you can you you can just send something that is pretty straightforward like a password reset for example i wouldn't be too concerned about making sure that was perfectly personalized and, and uh whereas with an experience where it's more of a nuanced question maybe it's a customer that's earlier in their their customer journey for zapier in particular for us it could be that a customer is asking how do i connect one app to another that's a potential warm lead for us you know even if they're coming in to support so we want to make sure that we first of all are surfacing the right information because it doesn't really matter if the bot is good or bad if the information is is not good so that's an area where i think it's really important to 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 make sure that your help documentation has the level of investment that your ai tooling has as well um they go hand in hand they they can't really exist without each other so that's one thing I would say, make sure you have clear time for your help documentation as well and that it matches your bot uh, and how you want your bot to come across. But the biggest thing for us really is to, and this has come pretty natural to us just because we've been doing this for quite a while now and Sapia's general brand approach hasn't really changed that much. We look very different, but what we what we do and how we operate uh, from like a customer care and, and um, the way that we present ourselves as a support team hasn't really changed that much. So it's, it's been easy for us to continue to, to represent ourselves in a way that is kind, knowledgeable, uh, informal. We don't really want to be super formal. And that's what you need to match with your bot. So the best thing that I would recommend doing is to have a conversation about what your um, communication values are as a business and make sure that your bot is delivering on those so a good example of, of where there might be mismatch for this, and this isn't something that we experience, but it's something that I can imagine uh, teams, larger companies in particular might experience, is if you have a bot experience potentially for like your sales function or your success function and a bot experience for your support function. And if this one is formal and this is one is informal, that's a really bad experience for your customers because it's like you're interacting with two different businesses. So you, if you're going to do an exercise where you want to make sure where you want to check what your communication values are, it has to be with any customer facing team that had that is creating or uh, overlapping in the experience that you've created as well. So that's okay. what I would suggest is, is, have a strategy, basically, and then try a few things out and see see how your customers respond.
0: Hmm. I love that. I love the fact that there should be an umbrella of values that people should follow, you know, in yeah. your business instead of, you know, each individual team's taking their own decisions and, you know, mm. being siloed. I love the, mm-hmm. uh, that mention. So a couple of things you mentioned. One is, A, documentation uh, in terms of uh, AI, supporting the AI is very... Necessary And B, yeah. I think uh, that's one question I have, like, do you have any tips or any suggestion or advice that how to build a better documentation uh, or best mm. practices? And mm-hmm. second question is, you also talked about uh, AI being helpful in the obvious, you know, scenarios like, hey, I lost my password, how to yeah. reset my username and, you know, all that kind of regular stuff. Mm -hmm. are there any instances in in your experience you saw the ai solving a complex problem without involving a human being
1: Mm, that's such a good question um, I'll talk about the help docs part first. So we have a technical writing team at Zapier, and they actually sit within the product org rather than sitting within, within the support org. And that's worked really, really well because they're so close to releases, they're close to specific parts of the product, um, and all of those folks came from support as well. So they know they know how to how we need our documentation to be. And now they're within the product or they're very close to it. And so I think the most important thing uh, for Good documentation, again, is to figure out what your tone of voice is for that documentation. What is the level of information that you need to provide? That's a really hard one, I'll be honest, because for us, you could have the longest help doc ever about a specific app that has a lot of workarounds. And it's how much information do you actually provide to the user versus what they need to know? And so you just have to kind of hedge your bets with that one a little bit. What do you think is 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 the best um, I would say don't try and cram too much into one doc because I think that's when uh, surfacing content through AI actually becomes quite unhelpful. Because if someone is interacting with a bot and they're trying to figure out an answer to a question that is like, a let, let's just say we've got one that's a, a, a help doc about Google Sheets, their question might actually be very simple and then the doc we might provide could be really, really complicated and they're immediately lost. So it's a bit of a fine balance of finding out what actually works for your customers. And the best way of doing that, I think is, is with through customer interviews and research because it's different for everybody really. Um, and I think it's important to, to figure out, you know, what do you hear from new customers who come on board? What about your tenured customers? How do they find information? Um, I think that's a good, a good venture to kind of go on to, to figure out what's the best way for you to create good documentation. And then from there, Um, I think it's about making sure that your support team has a clear process for providing feedback about documentation, for even providing updates. Um, If if you're comfortable with that, a lot of companies often will say, we trust our support teams to make uh, an update to a piece of documentation. Um, This is our style guide. This is our uh, content guide. We just need to sign it off within technical writing. So that's another really good idea. Um, Another option, if you want to just get started, even if it's like a refresh of your documentation, and I agree, documentation is like a marathon. And I feel like, I genuinely feel like every single company I've worked at, I've had this exact same conversation. It's always like, how do we make the most of our help docs? And it is because of the different user comprehension levels, you know? So it is a tough problem to solve. Um, so, what was the last thing that I was just going to touch on there? I can't remember. It's completely lost me. We'll come back to You're that lost. in a second. Lost yeah, I have to part. come back. <laughs> yeah, I just I had a uh, one last thing that I wanted to say. Oh, I, was, I remembered what it was. So if you want to do like a refresh of your documentation, or you're just getting started, I would 100% start with your support team. So get them to do a bit of a swarm on it. Get them to just go and have a look at it from their perspective. What are the things that don't work? What are the things that they are they always send to a customer, but they say, "Oh, but here's another thing that you could do as well. Um, use your support team as a jumping off point for driving changes around things like this. They are the p- people who know best what is actually useful to your customers.
0: Hmm. I love that. uh w- what about the the second question? like are there any instances do you want to share about AI you know solving a complex problem without involving human being?
1: I don't I can't think of any at the moment and it's not to say that it hasn't happened I feel like I would know about it though because we talk about it a lot so uh, maybe we're not at this point yet but I'll definitely let you know if we come up with like something in uh, in the distant not too distant future but one thing that I will share rather than AI solving a complex problem uh, one of the things that I'll share is we had this is kind of like bit of a tangent but i think is an interesting topic of conversation is that we had one person on our team jen um who was we we had like an ai tiger team put together so that we could really think about like what are the things that we actually want to do with support sidekick that make a true difference and jen used uh, a little bit of support sidekick but she also used chat gpt to understand what are the ways that she can t- reduce her own handle time and um she did a whole write up of it and she reduced her handle time by about nine minutes month over month just from using it for two weeks and that was mostly around prompt engineering so really getting it to a point where mm. the, the prompts are the most important thing realistically at this stage anyway to get what you need out of out of any kind of um and any kind of ai tooling that's going to get you to a point that's as specific as, as it's going to get and i think that we're not quite at that point yet where it's solving complex problems on its own but that will come with the with the improvements to folks really thinking about their own prompt engineering
2: awesome um i have a follow-on question to that um uh, essentially we talked you know about how ai can help on the customer facing side like in you know, a reduce uh, or like auto-answer 25% of queries. Um, and, and you touched upon the support sidekick, which is helping the team reduce handle time as well. So we'd love to know on the support uh, agent or support team side, like where do you see opportunity for AI to add value and make their lives easier? Um, mm-hmm. How do you see it today? And where is it helping? And and mm-hmm. what's sort of your wish list for the next six months for AI? Like, you know, how can support teams be able to uh, scale support Um, And, and, you know, how can tools get better for them?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, love that. So, um, yeah, first things first is that I would love it for every single person within the team to have their own AI assistant, which was basically mirroring any of their own behaviours to do the job in the way that they do it, but with additional help. So one of the things that I love about just most support teams, definitely all of our support teams, is that everybody works so differently and i don't ever want to change that you know people bring so much value by taking different approach and different methodologies and you know i shadow people i learn so much from the way that different people work and so rather than it being a situation where we try i don't i don't want it to be a situation where we try and use ai to make everybody the same i want to use ai to make everybody different and to lean into the things that they really enjoy about their work um and for it to not slow them down you know everything is just getting more complicated in the world and it's way better to kind of say okay we're gonna enable teams to be who they want to be at work rather than we're gonna enable teams to be one person even though there's 97 of them you know that's what I think that gets me really excited um and I do think that we will get there again prompt engineering is a huge one um a big one which I think is this is kind of missing from support sidekick at the moment. This is one thing that we've been talking about a lot is that it's all very mouse click driven the way that it works. So it's got an extension in Zendesk. There's a lot of clicks to to do the tasks that you want it to do. Uh, I mean, it's not a lot, but, you know, it makes a difference when you're working in the queue. And our teams are very keyboard heavy. A lot of them use Alfred's. Uh, lots and lots of keyboard shortcuts and so that's another area where I think it's really important for anyone building to think about how your teams want to work not necessarily how it, it works at this point in time so that's a big conversation that we're having of how can we have more conversations with folks about how they want to physically do their jobs and make sure that AI can do that for them and maybe for some people it would be more clicks for some people, it would be keyboard shortcuts. I think for some folks, one of the things that we that I do see teams using is um, voice-to-text as well. So thinking that starts to tip a little bit more into accessibility, and I think that's going to be really, really important. How can we make sure that we're using AI to kind of, again, it comes back to helping, enabling people to work the way that they want to work. So any, any way that they work physically, that. AI should model that any way they sound. AI should model that, and again, it's not to, it's not to um make everybody sound the same. It's to make everybody lean into themselves
2: more. Amazing. I, I really like the idea of you know ability to prompt engineer to make it customizable for each like you know uh, agent. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. Also linked to this, I'm curious to know, with AI coming in, um and you know it being able to resolve more and more um um, questions from customers how are you measuring one ai's performance and second the team's performance like and has it changed over time um with with Mm. ai in the mix yeah
1: yeah so we have to be completely honest we've struggled with um actually tracking individual efforts that's a big thing that we've talked about a lot because we just did so much at once and that's kind of The tension in some of these situations is that there's the temptation to only just do one thing in in sequence, like and make it uh, sequential, or you can just do it all at once and then just see what happens. And so there's it's just that that's difficult. It's a difficult decision to make. We went for the approach of let's just do everything and see what happens. And we do kind of look back. I was actually having a conversation with my colleague, Rachel, the other day where we were sort of saying, I wish that we could really measure this down to the minute, you know, and be like, wow, this is the impact that we've had, but we just haven't. And I'm okay with that because I see it reflected in the team's performance. And there's kind of, there's a few key metrics that I look at when it comes to efficiency. Quality is a separate ball game to me because it's, uh, our team's quality is always very, very high. Um, We use Klaus, everybody's, plus 90 plus in their quality scores we always have everybody who's super green have a great quality process and then what i want to be able to do is have, make sure that productivity matches using ai so the metrics that i look at are things like um replies to resolution so are we solving are we solving the same amount of tickets and less replies that's like a huge one to me because as a customer i don't want to be sat going backwards and forwards with somebody on something and so that's that's one of my most important metrics is are we sending the least amount of replies to enable a user as possible that's a huge one and i think ai is very helpful for that because it can help to create summaries it can send you specific documentation that you need um if you've got a situation where you need to hand a ticket over you can generate your own notes to pass it on to someone um that's a that's a really big one that we used to see is if a ticket is passed around um, specialists the replies to resolution goes up and up and up. And obviously it's not a great experience for our customers. So we look at replies to resolution. We also look at average handle time, which has been just ticking down and down since we really started to lean into using AI and support Sidekick. Um, And what that kind of enables us to do, or this will be the next kind of wave of, of where our teams focus their attention, is on what is the personalized experience that we can create now that we've opened up efficiency because of AI. So with Zapier, we are completely customizable. There's millions and millions of things that you can do. If we can make AI, if we can use that as much as possible to make sure that we're being as efficient as possible, it allows teams to really lean into that personalized experience for the customer. So that's where we want to really get it to.
0: It feels, almost feels like uh, you just dropped a startup idea, <laughs> not knowingly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Probably you know we'll 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 figure it out. Uh, right now, yeah, folks. Uh, but <laughs> let's switch gears a little bit. And now that we talked about you know the aha moments, the highs, the the good things about AI, I want to ask about what are the what are the pitfalls you're avoiding when using AI? What are the you know some of the measures you take? Like let's not do this. You know, yeah, it can be with agent side or the customer side. Let's deliver the best possible, uh, experience for both uh, mm. personas.
1: Yeah. So, um, on the customer side, one of the things that we've been uh quite cautious about is whether or not we should open self-serve up for our highest-paid plans. So, my previous background was in um, more of a um a formal kind of background really when I worked at Magix so Magix was a a job seeker platform uh, for recruiters and we would it would be much more about like you it's quite a formal environment you're speaking with recruiters um, you're going into offices things like that and um, my experience of working with those folks is that they want an answer to their specific question and that's what I've really taken into the kind of more upmarket SaaS space is that often we see customers who are higher up in your paid plans they want to they want a question to their answer it's often going to be one that's probably more complicated so we kind of took our time with it a little bit uh we did use ada for a while this year which was also great by the way we the only reason we stopped using ada was because we consolidated our tools uh, with other teams to use intercom and um so we we really, we took our time with teams and companies plans to figure out if we wanted to switch on uh self-serve for them. We didn't actually do that until uh, September this year, even though we'd had ADA running for uh, since February. And that was just to make sure that we were really clear on what were the things that customers needed help with when it came to self-serve, because I don't want to put, a blocker in front of our highest pay plans if there's no need to do that. But I'm also I'm I'm again referencing myself as a customer. If I don't have to contact someone and I can get an answer, then that's what I want. So the the kind of mindset shift for me there was well, it's not my decision. It's the customer's decision. Let's just not make it a an experience that's that's got quite intense friction points. Like that's not what we want. If a customer wants to speak to someone and they're on a pay plan, they can speak to someone. That's fine. So that was an area where we really wanted to. No. Oh, sorry. Her? That was me. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're back. <laughs>
1: um. So, yeah, we just really wanted to take our time to make the right decision there. And I, I feel like we're in a good spot now. So my advice there would be is to just, like, take your time a little bit. If there's some customer segments that you're not 100% sure on yet, Um and then from an internal kind of team operation perspective i'll be transparent you know i think this is a thing that we all need to hear is that we move very quickly with ai and and while that was really exciting for us for us as a support team it was also generated a lot of fear for folks you know like this is a this is a scary time to be in support and um to move so quickly without bringing teams along I I think that that was difficult for the team. And because of the fact that we already had our team strategy for the whole of 2023, we were ready to go. Like we knew what we needed to deliver for the year. And then AI kind of popped up and we were like, OK, this is a whole separate thing that we also need to deliver on as well. I think that we didn't do a good enough job of being communicative uh, with the team along the way. And um, we're in a much better spot now, but I don't I don't know if that was necessarily fair to the team, you know, to not be. We should have been over communicating so that people felt really good about it. But frankly, we we didn't. Nobody really knew where this was headed. But one thing that we knew for sure was that if there was ever a situation where we significantly reduced a headcount needs, we would do something else. So that's why we were able to do live chat is because we reduced ticket volume by 20 percent. And so, instead of making any decisions about hiring, we were we were we invested th- those folks into other channels, and that's where we really want to focus our attention is a, AI for good, where we can make people as efficient as possible in the queues, and then we can open up other doors for our customers as well that require a more personalised service. The key to that is just making sure that you do it with the right customers. It has to be cost effective. Um, <clears throat> so that was a big pitfall, I think, for us for us. In, in a world of of tech layoffs happening, we should have done more to really communicate with the people who matter, which is the team, to make them aware of the fact that we have a plan. You know, we know what where we're headed in terms of like keeping our team structure, um, and we just didn't do that good enough, really. Um, so I would say that was a big area where I would advise to over communicate, uh, really, and and make sure that everybody's aware of why you're doing it.
2: I think uh, you hit the right points, and this was sort of the points of discussion. At uh, we were at Sharath and I were at a support-driven conference just like last week Mm. in the US, and this is one of the key points. I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well. Like uh, with AI coming in and support historically being viewed as a cost center, right? Like you know, so how do you, as a support leader, what would be your advice to other support leaders to uh, you know make a case internally for investment? into like, you know, building a great support team, whether mm-hmm. it be like AI AI tools or training or learning and development for the support function, how do mm-hmm. you approach it? Um, and what would be your, like, you know, tips for other support leaders?
1: Yeah, great question. I think, to be honest, I, I, I'm I very lucky in the regard of, you know, every everyone as Zapier is heavily invested and believes very strongly in AI. So it's not been too hard of a sell for me, but I recognize that's not the case for a lot of companies. I think it's really important to make it clear that this is potentially a longer term play. So you're not necessarily looking for a short term fix. I don't think with AI it does take a while and it does require money up front, but you'll get that money back in the long run. You know, uh, like I say, we would not be in in the position that we are in now where we can open up channels and we can try new channels uh, in in 2024. The other channel that we're going to be opening up for our company plans is um, screen share. So we haven't, we've never done any kind of phone support or screen share support before, and we're going to be trialing that in uh, in January, and that is really so that we can, so that we can offer another service to our customers <clears throat> with the same amount of people that we have. So I think it's important that you talk in. The, talk talking the numbers, talking the finances when you're having these conversations, because I do think that it can be a bit of an obscure concept for folks who are outside of support to say we can deflect this amount of volume and this means X uh, for our teams or it allows, allows us to do this other thing. It's really important to talk specifically about the amount of tickets, the percentages of tickets. Tell the story <clears throat> when you when you talk about AI. Don't don't um, don't start with the solution. Start with the problem that you're trying to solve. So I think that's a that's what my recommendation would be. Um, and to have an honest conversation about whether how much the business is actually willing to invest in AI. Um, there could be some businesses who who it's not a priority for. I would question <laughs> if they whether they should change their minds. But it's still something to consider. How does AI align with the business strategy? Um, That's a question that everybody should be able to answer themselves. So I would say understand the business strategy to make sure to try and fit AI in there somewhere. Talk in the numbers and tell the story of what you're trying to tell. Don't make assumptions that uh, because it's obvious to to us in our industry that it will be be obvious to others. Um, Don't start with the end. Start with the beginning. That's the most important thing.
2: Awesome. Uh, I just had one follow on uh, Before that. Yeah. So there were a couple of uh, interesting insights in that conference as well around um, how support can actually um, add a lot more value. Like, you know, one mm-hmm. is obviously pro- product insights, right? Yeah. And um, like, you know, insights the product team. Second was, um, I think there was one support leader who said that it, actually the cohort of users who actually raise tickets are the most engaged in the product. So curious yeah. to know like, you know, outside of Deflection, or let's mm-hmm. say the the core support metrics. Um, mm-hmm. What have you seen has been helpful in you know internally bringing the teams together to look at support as a key mm-hmm. part of uh, how how the entire organization can actually uh, learn and you know improve upon.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and I one that I feel very passionately about. I think this is actually a really hard problem to solve for solely in support. Um, I, I think that it's really important to to primarily have a product leader who understands the importance of customer need, and from there, then you you've got you've got like a bit of an in really. So um, there's a few things that we do. We use product board to send um UX feedback and and information about uh product changes from support to um to the product teams, and that process used to be very uh, manual we would send data to an air table and the air table would be there and sometimes it would get used but sometimes it wouldn't and the biggest thing the biggest change there was a tooling change so we went from using Airtable to using product board which was a product that was heavily used within the product orgs and was a really ingrained tool and what happened from there was that we were able to see our our feedback getting implemented and changed. And it was because that data, product board was acting as an aggregate for all of these different sources of information that were coming from customer churn, coming from support, sales information, close loss deals, things like that. It, it started to, uh, we started to truly see that our ideas were being introduced because the tooling was right and the product teams were using it. So I think a big thing is to create collaboration between Every team, every customer-facing team and product, to understand how what's the way that you can make it as easy as possible for a product team to hear your voice. Don't create separate information. Um, don't be putting out different posts and and uh, saying, oh, "Can I get something in the roadmap?" If it's for the customer, it should all go into one place. And product, you need to be able to trust, really trust your product teams to make the right decisions for your customers. So that's that's a tooling kind of related one, having a centralized place. Is really important, one that one that the whole company is brought into. And then uh, the other big part is when specifically with kind of new feature uh development, one of the things that I've seen be really successful with our new products, uh, the, the, the engineers and product managers for our newer products, so tables and interfaces, is that they would just get on calls with with technical support specialists, they would do focus groups, they would gather feedback. They would ask them about um, apps that were similar to things that we were trying to do to really get into the weeds a bit. And one of the things that I love talking about at any moment possible at Zapier is that tables created was created off the back of feedback from the support team. And that's one of our really like exciting new products that we're trying to uh, really help users to adopt because it's so awesome. And that came from a recommendation from support. So I think hearing success stories like that can be really motivating for teams as well. And that really happened from just being in the work, having conversations uh, and creating checkpoints where support has a seat at the table. That, again, one of the one of the issues that i think all all support teams struggle with and again it really takes a a customer driven product leader to want to have those conversations and then to enable those conversations so i think more than anything the collaboration is really important between support leadership and product leadership to make sure that those there's those touch points for customers
0: mm. and we've been hearing uh, a lot about that that bridge that people should uh, you know executives should think about like they should give enough resources for support teams as well as uh, the product teams to yeah. know, interact more. I, I I think that's a fact right there. I just want to piggyback on the thing you said before about uh, start with the problem, not the solution. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talk to your finance teams, right? There is this running joke that happened throughout the conference that your CFO is your friend. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> yeah. them. If you kind of approach them with the right story and mm-hmm. the right numbers you know they give yeah. you preference right anyway yeah. so going back to this answer about product teams that bridge in your opinion you have a ton of experience lauren uh, in the past 10 years in your opinion where else support teams should collaborate with like what are the other departments in a company that support teams should not just product teams like they should mingle and work on a day-to-day basis so mm-hmm. the teams and the the whole company will get elevated with doing you know achieving the mission whatever it is
1: yeah great question so um the way that we do this is that we have embeds and the embed program has been going since before i was at zapier it's literally been going for i don't know maybe eight years now and um and it essentially is a, is a, is a a program where we have a person who is embedded into different teams across the company. We have lots of folks embedded into product teams, but we also have folks who are embedded into other teams across the company as well. And the biggest, my biggest recommendation for where should support be plugged into other teams is around other go-to-market customer facing teams in particular. So I think it's very easy to kind of live in this world of, of, oh, well, support, is the same, you know, as sales and success. So we both talk to customers. We both have the same problems, like job done. We don't really talk that much. And I think it's actually the opposite. You know, we should be having so much collaboration with these teams to understand what are the problems that we're seeing across all of these different points of the customer journey, all different segments of customers, and then creating a story together of what do we think is the most important thing for product teams to address? Because, I can't remember where I saw this, but um, one of the things that I've seen is like a product manager's job is to kind of have to say no and to to really protect their resources, and it must be a really hard job because they have customer facing teams who are saying this customer wants this and this customer wants this or this segment wants this, and that is a lot of information, you know, to to consume. Um, and I think the better approach is to really go and align with your other customer facing teams to understand. Is this actually a problem that's big enough for me to to talk about with a product team or is our other our other parts of the customer journey having bigger problems than than i am so i think it's it's not necessarily just around being embedded in product teams but being embedded in um support into sales success uh marketing for sure as well um all of those teams bring us closer together to address those customer problems
0: love that. I I, I think it's a, it's more about the synergy uh, mm-hmm. rather than anything. Um, so we're all in the same team at the end of the day, we're all yeah. fighting for this, you know, for the same war. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have, I think Divya has a question, uh, you know, came from the audience, let's open it up. So her question is, would you prefer to train AI to take care of redundant tasks almost independently so that humans can focus on solving complex problems? Or would you prefer to train AI on both use cases uh, from the get go
1: oh that's such a good question um i think from i think to start out with uh training ai for both use cases i think helps you understand the problems um a bit better i think if you if you focus too much on trying to uh, use ai to take care of all redundant tasks then those tasks you sort of don't really think about why those tasks is, exist in the first place so if we're just specifically talking about customer needs um, then you know if we there's some things that we that we allow customers to self-serve but I would question should they even need to self-serve you know and so this kind of comes back to the product uh, the conversation about working with product teams where I think that the data that you learn, from training ai can help you understand what are the problems that should be self served what are the problems that sh- should be solved at the product level and what are the what are the problems that truly need a customer so for that i would say mm. to train for both use cases for now to sort of really get into the weeds of understanding what's actually coming up
0: uh and i just realized uh, she's here so divya if you have any you know follow up uh, questions for lauren you know please unmute yourself uh but we are basically opening up you know uh to the room any any more questions for lauren before we wrap up in the next uh five six minutes
2: i
1: think yeah. no i i don't have a follow-up question but thank you so much this is this is you know this clarified quite in detail so yeah that's it thank you thanks Divya. thanks for asking it
0: awesome uh any more questions
1: Oh, it looks like we have a question from Shalini. Yeah, yeah Shalini's oh, yes.
2: question as well, yeah. So I think it's around Slack connects. Uh, she's probably not there uh,
0: yeah, she's to ask not herself.
2: Here. But yeah, would love to know, like, you know, for mm. enterprise accounts, uh, is it different? Do you use Slack connects uh, mm. for, and do you use AI support there?
1: Yeah, this is a very hot topic at the moment. So um, it's good timing. We've talked about this for planning for 2024. So I'm I would love to experiment with offering Slack support uh, for our highest paid plans. I think if I think about the experience that I want as a again, as a customer, um, if I'm spending a lot of money with a business, I want to mirror the interactions that I'm having with my own team. So having a Slack Connect <clears throat> as a possibility for for our customers is something that we're going to be testing. It's just going to be a beta, so we can't say that it's definitely going to be a thing that we do. But I am excited for us to try it out and see what the feedback will be from customers. Um, and, and this is another situation of where we will probably we will probably run the test without AI, really analyze the data, figure out what it is what what actually needs us. And then uh, if we do move forward with actually introducing this as an, adi- an additional channel for our company plans, then uh, we would figure out how to introduce AI support there. But yeah, definitely, definitely very relevant.
0: Cool. Uh, any Any more questions, guys? All right. I think uh let's call it a wrap i would say that's a you know that's a great way to end the in the session uh lauren this has been blast uh, we learned a ton and i hope you know folks were listening and we'll post the recording later as well they learn a ton yeah. as well uh any closing thoughts before we wrap up any any words of wisdom for us
1: um words of wisdom i think what i would say is uh if you are at the beginning of your ai journey is to um carve off some people to just focus on it but be a good leader and make sure that everybody else knows what they're doing you know that was one thing that i i wish i wish that i had done a better job of um to just make people bring people along make them feel more comfortable but allow those folks who are really focused on it to do their thing um that's that's really important and i think the future of ai is is figuring out a way to help uh folks who are in the queue to to mm-hmm. be themselves even with through through a bot you know and to and not to make everybody sound the same but to make everybody sound different but do it in a really efficient way mm-hmm. where folks can have that uh create that personalized experience without it being a burden to them
0: mm-hmm. i love that yeah it's here guys you know whether you like it or not it's here <laughs> <laughs> better better <laughs> to adopt it uh Lauren, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank I think you. it's the end of the day for Thanks you. Thanks so much. So, uh, for mm-hmm. taking time and, you know, chiming in here. Uh, that's, the, I would say that's a wrap, guys. You know, we'll be awesome. back with more events. And uh, we have a community, like, you know, called Huddle. If you want to join, like, you know, please feel free to like go to threadocom slash community. You'll find all the details there. Uh, but folks, yeah, stay tuned for more sessions like these uh, in the making. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you.